Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am Daniel Day, your host. And today I have the special honor of being joined by the president of Andretti Motorsports. His name is Jarrett Andretti. Good morning, Jarrett. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about uh, how about yourself? And I'm doing awesome. It's a pleasure to have you. And uh, we are just so excited to have you on the program to talk about what you got going on, man. It sounds like you're staying really busy. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I always say it's better to be busy than bored, right? And so, uh, you know, when you have a gap in your schedule, you just try to fill it up with, and it obviously inevitably always fills up. So um, you just uh, keep pushing as much as you can and um, and see where you come out the other side. Well, is it even possible for a race car driver to get bored? I, I don't yeah, I think you can be bored, you know, but you're only bored when you're not racing enough. That's really the that's really where the boredom kicks in. It's the time between races, not the time at the races. Okay, okay. So as we're uh, getting to know one another, because uh, you know, full disclosure, uh, this is our first time actually meeting and getting to talk. We've been emailing back and forth, and we have mutual friends, but this is our first time getting to know one another. Um, and so I'm going to do some rapid fire, random questions because these are the okay. most important <laughs> questions just to get to know you. All right, this is not uh, this is not a car on the track that you race, but just if you could drive any car on the road, any street legal car, what are you driving? What's your favorite um, car? Always, um, and gr- growing up, my dad always loved them, and, and I and he passed on to me. I love Ferraris. I just love. There's something about the prancing horse and it being that red, and uh, there's just something about them that that you can't beat. So a red Ferrari. That's what red you're driving. Car. That's what, that's what, you, if I had to drive something to the end of my, end of my time, that's the car that I would pick. I got one car. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is the second most important question. Um, favorite racing movie of all time. Oh, wow. Okay. I really like, um, I really like Senna. It's a documentary on Ayrton Senna and he was a Brazilian race car driver. He was a Formula One champion and um, it really tells a great story about his life and kind of intertwined into what you're doing. He was a very, uh, very big on his faith. And um, so if you, it kind of intertwines that a little bit in the documentary as well. Um, he passed away in a race car in 1994, uh, unfortunately, but it was uh, really, his life was quite amazing. The story that he has is, is, is fantastic. See, I fully anticipated you saying uh, cars part one or. You know, that was close second. Close second, though, part two, part three, you know, right there. That's the top four, you know. There so. you go. There you go. So they made it into the top five. All right. Good deal. Yeah. And uh, I'm really pleased that you didn't say anything about Fast and Furious. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. That's <laughs> not um, a car movie. That's a that's a soap opera. You there know? you go. There you go. There you go. All right, man. Listen, what I like to do before my podcast is I like to have a quick word of prayer. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those watching and listening. Uh, that we would just have a great conversation. Lord, we just commit this conversation to you, and we pray that you would get all the glory by what we say, and uh, that we would be a blessing to many in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Jarrett, um, obviously, the Andretti name is synonymous with racing and racing success, and, and you know, someone like myself, who is a racing fan, but really, that's it's out of my element to really talk about cars. I love cars, but I mean, you are on another level with your understanding of, of, of what it takes to be a successful racer. Uh, it's it's kind of like I think about life in the fast lane. You've got generations in the fast lane in your, in your family. And so uh, talk to us, introduce yourself a little more to perhaps those of us who are just getting to know you. 
Um, tell us about your family and man, what was it like growing up in, uh, in that household? Um, you know, with, uh, with cars all around and teams and it must've been quite an adventure. Yeah. So I think, um, the best way to start is probably the family tree. And so there's quite a few of Andretti's that have raced professionally or made a living driving race cars, actually eight, eight of us, in fact, over three generations. So you start, everybody's familiar with Mario, obviously, and his uh, twin brother, Aldo. And so if you look at the family tree, it's split into Mario and Aldo. Um, Mario has a couple sons that race, um, Jeff and Michael. And then Michael has another son that races, Marco. On the other side with Aldo, Aldo raced. He has a couple sons that raced as well, Adam and my father, John, and then me, um, you know, underneath. So if you kind of look at, I'm kind of the Marco equivalent on the other side of the family tree. So that's where we get started. There's obviously other people that have raced as well, um, but there's been eight of us that have raced professionally over the course of our life at some point or another. So that's kind of where we started and um, started in 19, they immigrated here from Italy in 1959 and it's kind of like when it all just got going so it's been you know i think it's been close to 60 years that there's been an andretti racing in the united states since you know like i said late 50s early 60s to up until now so uh, i think my math actually might be 70 years now my math's a little bit off um so we've been here for a long time and um you know, growing up, it was interesting because you didn't really know any better, right? As a kid, you didn't know any different. You didn't know what it was like not to go to the racetrack on the weekends. Or, you know, we lived, uh, dad ran the NASCAR Cup Series, and we would go and live in the motorhome for three days a week. You know, we would go to school and then go in the motorhome and go to wherever we we're at, Daytona or Phoenix or Kansas or wherever it was at. And it was just normal for us to do things like that. And um, you had your friends at the track and you had your friends at home and, um it was really just, it was just normal to us. And my mom was very good about, um, we would go and do things at the races at each of the, you know, we would go to museums or we would go to Niagara Falls or we would, so I got to see at a young age, a lot of different things that were really interesting. And uh, my mom always wanted me to do kind of anything other than race. So she tried anything she could, you know, musical instruments, different sports, you know, do you like, you know, art, what kind of thing you like anything, you know, plays. And um, unfortunately, all of her efforts uh, yielded zero results. Of, and I ended up driving race cars anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, as you're telling your story, it, it sparks a thought in my mind, um, you know, from a pastor's perspective, there are things that pastors, kids experience uh that other kids do not experience and i'm a pastor's kid um my wife is a minister's kid a, a missionary kid there's there's things that ministers kids experience because of the nature of what we do and the places we go and the people we meet and so as you started telling your story i imagine that that other kids of uh, race car kids you know like like when you're going to the track you must have had uh people that maybe your dad was racing against uh, or, or their team members, kids are traveling with them just like you. And you, you said you made friends at the various tracks. And yeah. I'm just curious, did any of those other kids grow up and are they competing against you now? And I mean, I don't know. I mean, what's, what's some of the unique experiences as a race car kid that you might talk about? Yeah. Well, they always had, um, so uh, uh, to answer your first question, yeah, a lot of those guys that we grew up with in the motorhome lot is always what we called it. They were racing and Chase Elliott's racing. Ryan Blaney's racing, Jeb Burton's racing, Harrison's racing. They're all racing cup, uh, cup or Xfinity cars, a lot of those guys. Um, and then, you know, I'm racing sports cars. So we kind of went different paths, but um, I went more of the open wheel path and they kind of stayed on the stock car path. 
But um, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is you always look forward to the tracks that had the best um, actual like playgrounds because a lot of these places had playgrounds or basketball courts or things like that. And some of them didn't. So when we go to Daytona, they had a really cool playground and a basketball court. And you didn't really, when you're a kid, you didn't really care about where you were at or the track or anything like that. You would, Oh, we'll get to go to Florida in February and they have a great playground. That was great. You know, it was awesome. So it was how, it was funny how the different things you, you, you remember different things from specific tracks because of the way that you remember them as a kid. Right. And then you go back there and you're like, you know, I've raced at Daytona and it's funny, like, you don't, I remember looking at the playground going, I remember used to play on that swing set, you know, for a week at a time. And now we're, you know, I'm leaving to go race here. So it's, yeah. it's just interesting how the time changes and how you look at places differently as you progress uh, throughout your life. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's exciting. It sounds like you had a pretty awesome childhood and it sounds like you have a really close family. Yeah. I wouldn't, you wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything about, about it. Um, we did have a very close family. We do have a very close family. Um, you know, I got my mom, my sisters, like I was telling you before this started, you know, I'm at my house right now in Indianapolis. We're all getting ready to travel back home to North Carolina. Uh, my two sisters are, are back from school from the summer. And, um, and then my mom, um, you know, we're all hanging out at the house in North Carolina. My season is kind of in a lull right now. So I'm going back to spend a week with them. Um, you know, and then unfortunately, I'm sure we'll get to this later in the podcast as well. But, you know, my dad passed away in January of 2020 from colon cancer. So we're working very hard on um, we actually just had a board meeting, a check for Andretti board meeting about an hour ago. So we've been moving that along as well. And my mom's been doing a great job on that. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to learning more about how our listeners can be a part of what you're doing, because that cause is is just really tremendous. And. Um, matter of fact, while we're on the topic, why don't we just go ahead and plug that and tell us how we can be involved in what you're doing there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my mom has a website up, up and running. It's checkitforandretti.org. If you go there or any of the Twitter, Instagrams, um, check it for Andretti, you can go onto mine and you can easily find it from there. Um, you know, it's just at Jared Andretti. And then I've, I've obviously tagged that quite a few times. So, um, you know, my dad's story is, is, is interesting, um, you know, because he raced and he was racing with me and he was, you know, he was healthy and he was, he was doing every, or so we, you know, so we thought and doing, you know, had no symptoms, nothing. And, um, he was 53 and he was like, Oh, I should go get a colonoscopy. And his doctor was telling him, no, you don't need really need when you're healthy. And, um, and he was like, no, I'm going to go get one. So he got one. It was stage three colon cancer and went to stage four immediately. And it just kind of progressed from there. So he fought, you know, 20 plus rounds of chemo, countless surgeries, think just after one after another, after another. And, um, you know, he passed away almost, almost three years to the day that he was diagnosed. So, you know, we're, we're looking to continue his mission. He wanted to get, encourage others to get colonoscopies, be your own health advocate. Um, it doesn't matter what your doctor says. If you think you need something, you, you need to demand it. And, um, and so the whole, the whole point of checking for Andretti is to not only bring awareness to it, but also, there's people that can't afford it. There's people that are either underinsured, not insured at all, can't afford the deductible, but they're high risk. They have a family history of it and they need a colonoscopy. And, you know, it's highly preventable if you get a colonoscopy. It's, you know, the, and they're expensive. They're 2,500 to 5,000, you know, you know, a piece of the colonoscopy, but, you know, it could save your life. So we're working to raise the funds and build out the pilot program to really make a difference in some communities and eventually expand it nationwide so we can make a difference, you know, across the United States. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's tremendous. So one more time, that website, check it for Andretti.org. Uh, so awesome. it, 
check it in number four in dreddy.org. Very good. Very good. Well, I'm hoping and praying that you, you see great success with that because it is a tremendous mission. Hey, listen, I want to pivot now and just talk to people about uh, leadership as it relates to what you do. I think it's a really interesting parallel uh, as you know, when you think about racing, uh, the Bible says to compete your race, to finish your race, uh, to run your race as one who wants to win the prize, you know, and I think that is, that's true. That's a tremendous parallel to what you do. And there's a lot that goes into what it takes to win from your organization, to your training, to your practices, to your team. And uh, you've been doing this, you know, for a very long time and it's in your family and you've observed successful teams. You've observed uh, successful racers your whole life uh, from being very young. I want to just ask you simple question, but it might not be so simple to answer. What does it take to be a successful racer? One who competes to win the prize. I think, I think in one word, and I really think this is applies to anything in life, right? One word or maybe three is um, you get, a, it's just ultimate commitment on every aspect of it, but then you have to be willing to work hard. You, no matter what you do in life, you know, I, I'm a true believer. And uh, my dad, always, my dad had a quote and he was like, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how tall you are or how strong you are or how fast you are. None of that because you will get wherever you need to go. If you work the hardest, you just never be outworked. And, and I, I really, I really believe that's the truest, the truest for me. I believe that in business. I believe that in life. I believe that in, a, you know, in relationships, everything, you know, I think that it's important. Um, and so if you want to be the best at whatever you're doing, you have to be willing to work the hardest. There's no substitute for putting the hours in. And, and I believe that in everything. Yeah. So walk us through your process. You're getting ready for a big race. How are you working harder than the next racer? What, what's your process of getting ready? Well, I think I have a different philosophy on everything in general, because um, a lot of the people that I rate that race, they simply drive the car, you know, and that's all they do is so they prepare and they, they prepare and they show up and they race the car and then they go home and then they show up at the next race or they show up at the shop once and then go to the next race. Well, for me, I treat it like an everyday job. I show up at the shop every morning at eight. I'm there till four or five, six, whatever it needs to be. And I'm working with the engineer, with my mechanics, I'm working with them on the team. And I'm also working with the sponsors to build the partnerships on the backside to fund the program. So I look at it as a, as a job every day. And I think that having additional help there, whatever I can fill the gaps um, is important. You know, so I'm involved in the, in the hiring of people. I'm involved in the structure of the team and, and what, where we spend money, where we don't spend money, where, you know, how we build, where we're going to go in the future. So I look at it as a total competition, right? If you can raise more money, you can then spend more money and you can do more testing or you can do more, you can buy more parts, you can do other things, you know? So I look at it holistically and that's the way I think I prepare differently than most of other drivers. They kind of say, okay, my job is to drive the race car. That's it. And I look at it as a total piece. So. Is that, is that something that, um, that your father taught you? Is that how he did it? Um, or someone else you observed? Um, later in life, me and dad, you know, we started the team together and that's always what we did. We worked on our cars, we built cars, we raced together, we would do everything together, you know? And so that's, that's the way that, yeah, that he, when he raced professionally, that's not how he did it. He drove for other teams, but he never owned his own team. Well, then when he owned his own team with that, I was driving for that's the way we did it. And so that's only the way that I've known to operate within a team environment. And I feel like it's important 
um, I think you can get more out of people when you're there every day as well. You know, I think that they see that you're pulling on the end of the rope just as hard as they are. And so they want to give you that extra five or 10%. And in motorsports and really everything else, the margins are so slim. I mean, you're looking for tenths of a second. You're not looking for tens of seconds or anything like that. You're looking for, so that little bit of extra effort that the mechanics or the engineer might give you, that can make a difference in a win or a loss. And if they're willing to go to the nth degree for you because they know you're there and you know you're working as hard as them, that's going to make a difference. That's huge. So let's talk about the team for a second. Um, you know, you're heavily involved in every aspect, obviously. What kind of people are you looking for when you're putting together a team, whether it's at the front office, whether it's down, you know, on the track with you, the part of the crew, a mechanic in the, in the shop, as you said, what kind of people do you want on your team with you? And, and why is that important to ultimately getting you across the finish line first? Yeah. And, and I, and granted a lot of these lessons, I didn't, I was taught these, this is not something that I, you know, I've had a lot of great people around me, my father, but then also um, there's a, there's a man by the name of Robin Pemberton who, who raced, um, he grew up, you know, worked on Richard Petty's cars and Davey Alice. He was a very, very good crew chief at Penske as well. And, you know, he, he helped with the start of this team and he taught me about fit, you know, it's about fit. How do the people work in a team environment? How do they work with others? Will you, will they be pulling on the same end of the rope as you all the time? And so that's what we look for. I mean, we look for mechanics that fit that will work amongst the other mechanics. We look for engineers that fit with the other engineers and work with me, truck drivers that do the same front office people to do the same. Cause if we all, there needs to be no internal friction. That's what I look at. We can't, we are motorsports is so difficult because if you look at it versus a team, any other team sport, team sport, you have a 50, 50 shot of winning. There's going to be two football teams or two soccer teams, two tennis players. One of them is going to win, but there's, there might be 45 cars, 44 cars, there might be seven, eight cars, 10 cars, whatever. Even if you have a small field, your chances are winning are just statistically lower. So you have to be operating at such a high level internally to be able to compete all the other competition. Cause quite frankly, the competition is just higher because you have less of a percentage of winning. You know, if you win one or two races or three races a year, out of 10, that's a really, really good percentage. But if you won three football games out of 10, you'd be, you'd be, uh, you have a lottery pick, you know what I mean? Basically. Right. So um, I think that that's the way I look at it. And we've been very lucky because I have a lot of people that have come on board over the past three years from really the start of Andretti Motorsports that are, that are, you know, they're keepers. They're people that I want to work with for 20, 30 years. And we talk about plans 10, 20 years out because um, we enjoy working together and they are capable of continuing to grow and uh, with me. So that's, what's really exciting. And it's exciting to be able to see people that you've started with from day one. And now three years later, they're still working on your team and you're still growing with them and you know, their kids, and you know, their families, and you know, you're involved in their lives and um, they're involved in our lives. And they become, they become more than just people you work with. They become best friends. You know, you become good friends. So. so relationship and chemistry, just it sounds to me, just gauging from what you're saying, um, uh, it, it's maybe some of the technical stuff could be taught and, and build upon that later. But if you got that chemistry and that relationship, that's what you're looking for the most. I think it's all about relationships. I think life in general is all about relationships. I mean, I think that I think that that gets watered down. I think it's in this society and it gets a little bit watered down because of you have social media and you have email and you have all this other stuff. And like, 
there's still no substitute for going and shaking hands with somebody and sitting down from and having a dinner or a lunch or breakfast, just having food with them. So I think that the relationships on all facets of the business from your partners and your sponsors to people that you work with, you know, that's the most critical part because um, you'll always be more committed and have um, a a greater sense of belonging uh, with people that you have the relationships with and more commitment than you will if, if you don't. Yeah, that's huge. All right. Final question. We're going to wrap this up. I'd like for you to just take a minute and uh, talk to us about your faith, um, your faith in God and how that plays into your daily life and, uh, whether it's preparing for a race or just, you know, just a regular day at the office or in the shop, you know, how does your faith in God play into things? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, motorsports is naturally dangerous. So I think you have to be comfortable with, um, where you're at whenever you get into the race car, right. We got, wherever you're at, you have to be, um, because there's, there's, quite there's people that we race with that have passed away in race cars there's people that have you know so it's not like a normal um nine to five job where you're going to be an accountant or maybe an insurance agent or something like that where you're the likelihood is a lot less right um so i think you have to be in a good place whenever you're at the races um and i think that's important i think you know on on the personal side you you have to look at it um you know you went through that with my father you know and i got to see him go through those different, you know, go through the stages when he was fighting and all that stuff. And you, you kind of start to ask why, right? Because it's like, you know, he's very charitable. He's a good person. He created opportunities for other people and um, went to church every week. You know, it was all, he checked all the boxes and, and so you, but I think you just have that faith, you know, um, that it, it just really wasn't in the cards, unfortunately. And we're trying to turn that negative into a positive. And so I think that whatever happened, happens you just try to you just try to work as hard as you can to make something good out of whatever you're dealt and I guess that that's really is faith and even if you not necessarily um you know I'm Catholic but if you're whatever you believe in you've got to have faith that things are happening for a reason and you have to push forward even if you don't agree with that reason or like the reason um that you have to push forward and there, there's a reason for it and you can you can try to make some positive out of it positive out yeah. of it well, um, as you're talking, I'm reminded of, of the scripture verse that says, you know, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around and made it for good. And, um, you know, obviously the tragedy of cancer in any respect, it's, it, 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 it basically cancer touches almost every family in some respect. And uh, my mom is a cancer survivor, though she, she was very close to death at one point. And uh, I, I kind of know a little bit about what it's like to walk through and see a parent go through the suffering of cancer. Um, but what you've done as a result of your father's passing, you are transforming it and you're going to prevent someone else's son from going through that. And I think, I, I wish I could have known your dad. I, I certainly don't, wouldn't never pretend to, but just judging from what you say, I would just say, I think he's probably very proud of you for what you're doing. And um, I just want to commend you for it. You're turning what was a tragedy for you into a blessing for someone else. And probably countless lives are going to be touched by what you're doing. And um, I want you to know that, that I do pray for your every success and that your faith in God would only grow stronger and stronger, that his protection would be around you and your team and around those you race against. 
um, it's a skill that not everybody has to be able to get into a vehicle and travel so fast and uh, not not crash and um, and and the guts it takes and you know there's another there's another way to spell faith and that is R I S K yeah you know and uh, and you know you you kind of know what faith is but you but you also take steps to um, ensure success and safety and um, so I just commend you on what you're doing and uh, one more time please give us the uh, last 30 seconds. Tell us one more time. Maybe there's somebody watching or listening on the live broadcast right now. They didn't catch the first part when you plugged the website and how people can get involved with uh, the organization. Um, But give us another 30 seconds about how they can get involved in what you have started on behalf of your father's memory. Yeah. So the best way to do it is to get involved is to go on the website. It's check it with number four andretti.org. And you can go there. Um, there's, um, uh, you know, opportunity to donate. There's email address. You can, if you want to volunteer or anything else, however you want to get involved, that's the best way. My mom is leading all of this up. Um, I'm merely a sidekick in this, all this situation, but she's been doing a fantastic job. So the email will more than likely end up uh, in her inbox. As we grow, um, we'll reach out to you and we'll see if there's opportunities to work together, um, whether that's in a volunteer role or if that's with partnering with your organization or whatever it may look like. So that's really the best way um, to reach out. Social media is another way. At Jaredy Andretti, you can go to my Twitter account and it's all their Checking for Andretti accounts are on there as well. Um, so either way, um, you get a hold of us. Um, we're, I, think we're, I think we're relatively accessible. So um, if you uh, if you just start emailing, uh, we'll, it'll find a way in one of our inboxes. Very good. Well, listen, I've, I've so appreciated getting to know you a little bit. I wish you all the best. You're in my prayers. And uh, thank you for spending some time with us now on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. And I, uh, I really appreciate it.